I want to bring forward uh, Pastor Fred Garcia, who is going to bring the word today. And uh, I believe, I believe God wants to speak kindly to us and to woo us <laughs> into that love relationship. Amen. So greet Pastor Fred. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to take some getting used to again. So, child asks his father, how were people born? The father says, Adam and Eve made babies. Then their babies came, uh, became adults and more babies and so on. So the child then goes to his mother and asks her the same question. And she says, we were monkeys and we evolved to become like we are now child runs back to the father and says, you lied to me. And the father replied, no, no, no. Your mother was talking about her side of the family. <laughs> All right, let's try this. Uh, my friend thinks he's smart. Jen, you'll appreciate this one. I don't know why. Uh, my friend thinks he's smart. He told me an onion is the only food that makes you cry, so I threw a coconut at his face. <laughs> Logic is sound. Um, what happens to a frog's car when it breaks down? Gets towed away. Gets towed. Okay. Frogs, toads, they're in the same, in my book. They're all the same. I don't like any of them. They're just kind of gross. Um, so God has had me on the theme of wisdom over the last few weeks. And um, as I've read, as I've prayed, as he keeps bringing things in, he's had me in different books, not really seeking this out. It's just been a common theme. Uh, it, it, it's continued to just expand to the point where when I sat down to do the word yesterday, I'm like, how do, how do you even begin to quantify wisdom? I mean, you, we can talk about it, and we're going to, okay? Uh, but it, it's such a vast sea of, of um, you cannot search out the fullness of wisdom. You just can't. Uh, much less what we're going to cover this morning are um, knowledge, um, wisdom, and understanding. So we're just going to dive in a little bit. Uh, I, I really believe that there's some practical application, and that's really what I want to focus on this morning. It, is, it kind of, again, goes hand in hand with uh, 
what's already been shared, it's, it's the practical application, right? It's one thing to have signs and wonders and miracles, but, but we're called to steward them. It's one thing to receive a new body part, but then we're called to treat that body part well, right? And, and exercise wisdom, discernment, discretion, based on the knowledge that we have, our understanding uh, of how to use that and what to use it for. So, um, if you would, if you want to go somewhere other than away from here, open to Proverbs chapter 1. I just want to touch on the first four verses to start with. Proverbs 1, starting in verse 1. So, again, we, we find these three things, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. We find them as we read throughout Proverbs. And there's a whole lot more you could pull out, okay? But I think these th three couple really, really well together. <coughs> and I think you'll understand as we go why, why I focus just on these three. But Proverbs 1, chapters 1 through 4 says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel to know wisdom and instruction. So this is the purpose of the book, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. So again, we have other virtues packed in here, right? Uh, but we're just going to focus on wisdom, understanding, and knowledge this morning. Um, and, and in particular, we want to kind of hone in on wisdom and understanding because I think oftentimes people confuse the two or they, they'll exercise one without the other. And, and you wouldn't think, you know, because wisdom we tend to think of just all-encompassing, but it really isn't in and of itself. So again, this isn't a comprehensive study. This is just things that the Holy Spirit's been highlighting over the last few weeks. So it's less about defining them, which we'll attempt to do, but it's more about answering the question of are you pursuing them, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? Are you recognizing wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? And then are you applying them together? Because you really, to effectively utilize any one of them, you, you have to apply all three. Are we pursuing them? Um, this one's really quite simple because all you have to do is read through the book of Proverbs and you get over and over and over, uh, such as Proverbs 4, 5. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. And then just two verses later in verse 7, he says, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all you're acquiring, get understanding. So again, there's a theme and you see it, it's just, throughout the entire book. You know, okay, uh, I think you're trying to tell me something. I need to get wisdom. I need to get understanding. And then if you look, just again, one example, Proverbs 18, 15 says, the mind of the prudent acquires knowledge. Literally, the, the mind is, is literally, it means heart. So you could apply it either way. The mind or the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge. And the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. 
James 1.5. This is part of the memory verse for CCA. And we were just talking about this the other morning, right, Joshua? And some of the rest of you who were here or who were there here. Um, but James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives, all, gives to all generously and without a reproach. Um, and I, I love, and I've kind of overlooked this through the years, that word reproach. It, it means he doesn't make us feel stupid for asking. In other words, it's kind of expected, if we're asking for wisdom, there's probably something that we, the enemy is probably beating us up about that we probably kind of feel stupid about or we feel less knowledgeable about. It's, it's one of his strategies is to say, you idiot, what are you, what are you doing? And oftentimes, if I'm, if I'm truthful, he's right on. I'm acting like an idiot. Or, I'm acting stupid. Really, the word foolish means stupid or stupidity. And I got to own that. You know, it's, it's part of, of humility because if we're not pursuing his righteousness, if we're not pursuing him actively in any area, we're acting, at least in the moment, in some area, kind of stupidly. Maybe you don't, but I do. Really. So yes, we are to pursue them. Are we recognizing them? I was on the back porch yesterday morning and uh, was going through Proverbs 9. So yesterday was the 9th, Proverbs 9. And it went right to the next question, which is, are you recognizing wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? And it's a really great passage. Um, I've read it over and over and over and over and over through the years. Uh, but some things just kind of jumped out at me this, this time around. In verse 1 of Proverbs 9, it says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She's prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. This is all wisdom. Sounds good. Verse 3, she has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live. Proceed in the way of understanding. And then, if you drop down to verse 14, actually verse 13, what you see is a counterfeit step in. It's stupidity. Okay? It says the woman of folly. Again, quite literally, the woman of stupidity. It's not just the woman you could put the man of stupidity. Okay? The person of stupidity. It's not a gender thing. It's, it's kind of a universal thing. The person of, of stupidity or folly is boisterous. They're naive and know nothing. But look at the similarity. She sits at the doorway of her house, on the seat by the, by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet, 
and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol or hell. Again, there's a lot of things we could pull out here, okay? Um, but there's a few things that struck me, and this is what I'm sharing this morning. If you look, and I encourage you to, to open up your word if you don't have it open, and to just make it a little easier to maybe kind of track with me, because I didn't get the, the uh, opportunity to put together a PowerPoint. I like to do that when I can so that you can... I can just put the words up there and it's just easier. But I didn't. Time just got away from me this morning. So worship team will tell you. <laughs> but notice, number one, that both wisdom and folly cry out. In verse 3, one thing that stood out to me is wisdom is found in numbers or community. It says, Wisdom has sent out her maidens, right? So there's a community of wisdom that goes out. And she cries out, and, and, and she's found in numbers. What, is, what does Proverbs also say about um, in a multitude of counselors, wisdom is found, correct? And so there's consistency there. But yet folly in verse 14 is by herself. She's alone. She separates herself. Because she sits at the doorway of her house. She doesn't have company, and with good reason. I mean, you, you don't really want to, at least consciously, be the good company for stupidity. <laughs> we don't. We are, sometimes. But it's not our choice, and it's certainly not something we seek out. Another observation is in verse 3. Wisdom is at the tops of the heights of the city. In verse 3. That's where wisdom can be found. And folly, again, if you, if you go down in verse 14, is on a seat by the high places. So wisdom is found on the heights of the tops of the heights of the city. In other words, you go out to the, 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 the highest point in the city, whatever that building is, there's wisdom. And down on the street level, at the very base, is folly. They're both crying from a similar place, but again, my takeaway, and there, there's probably many more that you, you could come, out, come away with as you study this out on yourself, is wisdom is found in the place of risk. Now, it can sound contrary because oftentimes we think of uh, being overly risky or too risky, right? This is a place of, of folly or not being wise, right? But again, if we go back to James chapter 5 where it talks about wisdom, uh, let's just go there. I'm sorry, James 1. James 1, 5, again, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. 
But oftentimes we stop there and we don't read the next verse or, or we don't remember the next verse which says, but, there's a but, but he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Have you ever wondered why those two are connected? I think it has to do with risk. You know, we often say around here, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, right? And so there's an element of, of wisdom that has to be associated with faith, which has to be associated with R-I-S-K. If we're actually asking for wisdom, we need to be ready to step out in wisdom, right? Because wisdom challenges us in faith. It challenges what we see in the natural. Does this make sense? The safe place is down beside the tallest buildings in the city. And yes, again, we can, we can, we can be in a place of foolishness and take unnecessary risks, but the, the place of wisdom is not found in the place where there's absolutely no risk at all. It's just a different type of risk. Notice it's also the closest place to heaven. We're seated in heavenly places, right? And in those heavenly places, there is a risk because the higher you go, the farther you can fall. You know, and just going on with that, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. If we're going to ask for wisdom, if we're going to step out in faith and ask for financial gain, if we're going to ask for God to cover all of all the, the debts that we have, if we're going to ask for God to get us out of this hole or that hole or that hole, we dig ourselves in lots of holes in life. Not intentionally, but usually, usually in our best intentions, we're digging, digging, digging towards building over here, and we go, oh, shoot. I mean, you ever been painting and painting yourself into a corner? I've done it. It, it happens. You go, all right, how do I get out of here other than make footprints in my paint? If I have to. The double-mindedness is if we're going to ask for wisdom, if we're going to believe what God has to say, we need to be ready to act on it. Otherwise, we're double-minded. Otherwise, it's just, it's just information that serves no purpose. And it's going to leave us, oh, God said to do this, but boy, there's risk if I do that. But God said if I do this, he would be faithful. Oh, but I don't know. My friend experienced this and things went south on them. Oh, but, and just back and forth and back and forth all day long without action. That was free. Verse 4 in Proverbs chapter 9 starts out the same. 
is verse 16. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. Wisdom calls out to the naive, but so does folly. It's wisdom to recognize that that's us. It can, again, come with a rather negative connotation, and no one wants to be looked at as naive. Um, however, in its simplest definition, it's the naive are simple or open-minded. Not open-minded in the good sense, being open to change, but open-minded as in there's a path I should take, but I'm open to any path, or all paths lead to heaven. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? There's a path, there's a way that we should go. The naive thinks that every path is good. I'll go over here and just pick some flowers, and I'll just draw a little rainbow over here, and all the whole time I'm supposed to be over here and doing this and that, whatever God calls me to. So that's naivety. Sometimes it's just lack of recognition of where we're supposed to be going. Sometimes it's we recognize where we're called to go grossly, but we miss the nuances of the path. That's naivety. What wisdom calls out, and so does folly. So, again, we need humility to recognize our need for wisdom. I find it interesting, too, in verse 15 of Proverbs 9. It says that folly is calling out to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. So it goes right to my point, correct, that, you know, Folly recognizes we're on a path and sees that as foolishness. Because why would you be a slave to one simple path? Why would you only go one simple way when you can go every way, right? And you can enjoy everything in life. And did God really say that this was bad or that was bad or that was bad? That's the voice of folly. Verse 16 again, folly says the exact same thing that wisdom says in verse 4. Whoever is naive, let them turn and hear. To him who lacks understanding, she says, you know, and then both of them go in a slightly different direction. Something else that struck me is and I guess maybe I've said this already, but because folly is what it is, and for most of us, we have some idea of what folly or stupidity is, we think that should be easy to recognize. <laughs> Darn right. It's always easy in other people. Can you believe they did that? Oh my gosh, they just, I can't believe they did that. 
but she's calling out with the same message. She's calling out from a similar place. And she's targeting you. I mean, she is. Stupidity is, is targeting you because she sees that you're on the narrow path and therefore she's like, all right, I see that you're going to the high place. I see that you're, you're going towards risk. I'm going to stop them now before they do something stupid. <laughs> At least stupid in their eyes. Why, why would you give money to the poor? Why would you invest your money in that person and pay off their debt for them? Why would you help that individual? Right? not always easy to distinguish. We think it will be, but it's wisdom to know that there's a similarity. And in truth, there's a stark difference, but it takes an effort to pursue. We can't just go along lackadaisically. We have to, to put some effort behind it. What they both offer is obviously different. In verses 1, 2, and 11, wisdom offers a house, good food, wine, and life. And in verse 18, folly offers death. So even as Jesus says, by your fruit you will know them, right? Um, what's the fruit that's coming off of a person? Is it producing a food that you can actually eat? Because folly... Simply offering bread and water, glorified bread and water, and death, water which leads to death. You're going to recognize that fruit if you look for it. Whereas wisdom offers a house for shelter, it offers good food that's taken some time to prepare, and wine as opposed to water. I'm taking door A. When you try to break down knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, you come up with a lot of different definitions. There's a lot, um, and a lot of good definitions. And uh, so again, this is not the ultimate definition. This is a summary of how what I glean from those definitions, okay? So knowledge, a quick summary of knowledge is truth, information, principles, which are either passed along or acquired through experience. A basic summary of knowledge is truth, information, or principles either passed along or acquired through experience. I have the knowledge of how to build a house, which has been passed along, or I've built a house before, therefore I have knowledge of what to do. Wisdom, however, that's a wonderful word. 
And in a nutshell, it is the skillful, creative application of knowledge. Wisdom is a skillful, creative application of knowledge, often rooted in experience, someone else's or your own. So I may have knowledge on how to build a home. But when wisdom comes along, perhaps it's in the form of Apostle Tim and Steve. They've built way more houses than I've ever built or repaired houses. They, they've, they've lived longer. Wisdom comes along and they say, hey, have you considered? And there's a whole creative side to what they're offering. And it's skillful because they've done so much, right? And then it's applying their, their knowledge, right? It's the skillful application of the knowledge which they present or the wisdom which they present. It also means shrewdness. Just let that one less, uh, lay there for, for a bit. We may come back to it. Understanding, I started with this definition, and I think it's still a good definition. But understanding, or the summary of understanding, is the process of consideration. When we have understanding, it's the process of consideration growing in the depth of our comprehension regarding knowledge and applied wisdom. So it's the process of consideration. It's growing in the depth of comprehension regarding both knowledge and applied wisdom. Someone who sits around searching for the meaning of life, or when you search for the meaning of anything, okay, you're, you're pursuing understanding. What's the meaning of this? Not just, okay, this is great. I love it. I've got a hammer here. Oh, this was passed on for generations. Uh, but why is this hammer here? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this hammer? How is this supposed to serve me? However, if you go back and you look again in Proverbs chapter 9, you find an even better definition of understanding. If you go back to Proverbs 9 and, and verse 10, it begins with where Matthew left off last week, the fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of of the Holy One is understanding. I like that definition a whole lot more. Both are applicable, but way more encompassing. I can, I can really wrap my head around that. I can sink my teeth into that, right? Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. How do we put them together? To 
turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 24. And Solomon gives us a great example of how they work together. <clears throat> Proverbs 24, starting in verse 3, says this. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So let's just take those two verses for right now. So wisdom is, building of the, is the building of the house, but it's actually established through understanding. We need both. We just do. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled. Again, we need all three. Through the skillful application of knowledge, we build the house. You know, uh, Psalm 127, verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, in vain do the builders labor. Right? So it's through our, our pursuit of Jesus, who is the rock, the house upon which we're, we're called to build our house upon the rock, right? Through our understanding of him, it's actually established. Because we're in Christ, because we know him, because we yada him. Yada is, is the word for no. It, it actually speaks of an intimacy. It, it tells us that there's some, something greater on the other side. Again, if we go back to James chapter, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Says, consider it all joy, my brother, and when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So the joy, however, is not about the trials. The joy is having the understanding that on the other side of the trial, it actually produces something which will serve me even more in the future, which is endurance. And that's going to help perfect me. And so the three work together seamlessly. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge by itself puffs up. I was listening to Bill Johnson a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about this. And he was saying, notice that when Paul talks about knowledge puffing up, he's not saying carnal knowledge puffs up. He's speaking of any and all knowledge. In other words, knowledge by itself, whether human or divine, in and of itself, without wisdom, without understanding, without the knowledge of Jesus Christ, in the pursuit of him, it's simply going to puff our heads up. We, we go to, to Bible school or, or, or you know, pursue all sorts of things. We get into God's word. We read books. If it's just knowledge that we're attaining... It's just going to puff our heads up. It actually has to be applied. It has to be taken to that place of risk where it becomes useful, where it becomes something that we can stand on, where it becomes something that we can build our house on and establishes us. See, it's really easy to pursue any one of the three, you know, and 
listen, uh, you pursue as much knowledge as you can. Get as many degrees as you can or want to. Um, continue to pursue knowledge in, in books and in reading, and especially of the reading of the word and things that expand it. Submit yourself to teaching. You build yourself up with that knowledge, and it's great, but it only helps you to the point that you apply it. <laughs> right? That's exactly right. You can have all the knowledge in the world about raising kids, but when you have to apply it, it's way different. I remember coming out of school and thinking I was God's gift to physical therapy. I was. In my mind, I was a legend in my own mind. And then I got out in the real world and I started applying this stuff and I went, this doesn't work like that. They said that this was supposed to happen. They said that this person was supposed to come in and they would say X, Y, and Z. And they're saying Y, Z, and X. Things are supposed to work this way. Knowledge is great, but it has to be applied. Knowledge is great, but it has to be understood through the person. I'll give you an example. I, I, um, in theory, when a person is dizzy, I should be able to, uh, they usually describe the room as spinning. Usually I'll see their eyes going, doot, 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 and they go into something called nystagmus when I do some different tests with them. This is what I expect. This is what I expected from textbook. It's what I expected from the courses, from those who taught me. But when you apply it in real life, I get this dude in here, and he comes in. He's like, I'm dizzy. Well, what's it feel like? And I'm expecting the room to be spinning or something like that. And he's like, it's like shades of color. They go from color to black and white, and it's just different hues. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that is exactly the wrong answer. I think you need the clinic down the road. <laughs> He's like, no, it's... And so I'm like, all right, what do I do with that, Lord? Well, so I applied the knowledge that I had to the symptoms that he was describing, and sure enough, when I tested him, he would describe these symptoms coming on in this way, the way someone else normally describes uh, uh, the, the room spinning, where I start to see their eyes doing this, you know, I saw nothing. His eyes weren't doing anything. So I went, huh. Tested him, treated him, dizziness went away. Learned something new. We need to be able to apply the things that we take in. And it's not just about the knowledge, it's having an understanding. And understanding only comes by asking more questions and getting to know a person. Or most importantly, the understanding of him. So the more we understand him and press into his character and his nature, the more understanding we have. Is this making sense? Let, let me wrap this up with this, okay? Okay. Um, I so wanted this to be practical, and I hope you're taking something from this. Because, again, when I first sat down, I went, good Lord, what do I do with this? He's like, pursue it. Fine. Proverbs 24, when you keep reading. So, again, 
verses 3 and 4. By wisdom the house is built, by understanding it's established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Verse 5, it says, a wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. So, if I have wisdom and I'm strong, do I really need to increase power? Do I really want to be all powerful? How powerful do I need to be? Knowledge is power. I mean, that's a saying even outside of God's word. It takes me to another story. So I had this kid come into the clinic. Uh, he's someone who had been treating uh, post-op. He had some surgery. And uh, he's a, a uh, football, basketball player. And we're trying to get his motion back. So his knee, when he first came in, went from about here to here. Not a whole lot of motion. So he was supposed to be working on motion at home. He was supposed to be working on strength at home. And he didn't come in a whole lot. He came in from time to time. So he comes in last week. And when he leaves, I, I didn't get to see him. My PTA's like, have you seen his range lately? Like, no. She's like, he can't even straighten it out fully, and he can't even bend it fully. She said, do you realize when I put him on a bed, he can't even straighten his leg all the way up and utilize the full strength he has? I'm like, okay. She's like, do you know what they have him doing at school? No. They've got him doing box jumps. They've got him running and sprinting. He's out on the field, and he's... Uh, cutting and, and doing all sorts of things, and he thinks he's going to play football next week. So, all right, well, you schedule him with me, and we'll we'll sort through this. And I, I had to make sure, you know, I got one of the parents in as well. The so what and who cares is I had to bring this kid in, and you know what? When I tested his strength, it actually was strong in a certain range. It was strong enough for him to do box jumps. If you've ever, ever done a box jump, you know, put a box in front and up you go. It's not just a little, you know, think this high, think this high, as high as you can take it. Those are box jumps. It takes a lot of power. This kid's doing them. So he has strength. He's got enough strength, though, to kick to here. But when, when I have him down flat, he can't kick it out all the way straight. Well, so what and who cares? What that translates to is I put this kid on the field and he goes to stop and plant and cut, it's going to go blah, and it's going to blow out. And he's going to be in a worse state than he was to begin with. Right? He's got just enough motion to run with. He can't even get a full stride. He's outrunning other people, so he's strong enough and he looks powerful, right? It looks like he can function and he can he, he can function enough. He compensates enough to get out on the field. He has strength, but he doesn't have enough strength. Sometimes we can stop short in the Lord. This is why we need to continue to pursue. This is why, you know, again, wisdom, the wise man is strong, but a man of knowledge continues to increase in power. I can have all the wisdom in the world about a 1950 Chevy blah, 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 but if I own a 2020 RAV4, it doesn't help me a whole lot, does it? it? Unless I increase in my knowledge to know how to diagnose 
and fix that car and how to maintain that car. We have to continue to pursue in the pursuit of knowledge. We have to continue to, to press into wisdom. And all three come from Him. There's your takeaway. All that to say that? Yeah, sorry. But sometimes I think we forget. Because it's really easy. And, and again, I'm speaking from my own experience. It's easy to get tunnel vision and go towards knowledge. Knowledge is easy. You can just take it in. It doesn't fuss and muss much. And it can make you feel really good about yourself. The more knowledge you take in, especially if you, if you get a, a, a subject down really well or a topic or an area. Um, but it has to be applied with wisdom. The takeaway is with, with all three, in any area of life, we need to continue to pursue him. We need to have a depth, a depth of understanding as we press into relationship with others. It's not just about what I know about a person. I have to press into understanding them. I mean, if it's true about the Lord, and that's where understanding is found, then it's true of other people as well, because he lives in them. In fact, the, the more I know about individuals and the people around me who God surrounded me with, the more I know him. That's wisdom. That's understanding. 